in light of what we talked about in Sunday school class, for some of you who missed that, um, when Ezra the prophet was reading the word in Nehemiah, the people stood. And we talked about this morning that in many churches when the word of God is being read in public, that it may be a good thing that we stand for the simple fact that it gives honor and recognition and respect to God and the reading of his word. And we stand for judges when they walk into a courtroom. The bailiff will say, all rise. And everybody stands when the president of the United States walks in. Um, they will say, Mr. Speaker, the president of the United States. They play the music and all that, and everybody stands. Uh, we stand for the national anthem. We stand in different public settings. But I think it may be befitting that when it comes to the reading of the word on Sunday morning, we ought to stand because there is nobody greater, no word better or greater than the word of God. So in honor of the word, uh, I think we will be standing because of that. John chapter 1, 35 through 51, I believe it is. Some good stuff in here. We talked about last week, uh, John had previously said in a gathering with his disciples, John the Baptist, that is, that as Jesus was approaching, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And the disciples who had followed John and were being baptized in terms of the baptism of repentance under John, and John makes the great statement that uh, he was not, there was one coming that was greater than him, of, of whose sandals he was unworthy to untie. untie. And uh, again, we picked up last week uh, on a, another day, the next day in verse 35, John the Baptist is standing, and again, with two of his disciples, two of those that followed him, he looked, and as he saw Jesus walk by, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And those two disciples that were with John the Baptist, uh, left John the Baptist to follow after Jesus. And as they're following Jesus, uh, Jesus turns around and he sees them following him and he asks them a question. What are you seeking? Why are you following me? You know, why, why are you pursuing after me? And they said to him, which was a, a term of endearment, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you making your... Where are you going, basically? Uh, more so not, uh, the question was more so not out of where he was actually living or where his residence was, because they had further uh, motives other than just to know where Jesus was staying, because we found that out, because he says to them, come and see. You want to know where I am or where, where I'm staying? Come and you will see. And they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, and it was about the 10th hour to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So they, had, they saw Jesus, they had heard Jesus, they heard John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God, and they were inquisitive of knowing more about who Jesus was. And that would be our challenge today as, as Christian people, as, as those of us who are saved, we want to be able to know more about Jesus. And they followed Jesus, and they stayed with Jesus all the way up to about Four o'clock in, in the evening. You say, why? How do you know it's four o'clock? Well, the Jewish time set started at six. 
So if you start counting from 6, from 6 to count 10 hours, it makes it about 4 o'clock in the evening. And while they were there, we're told in another gospel that they were taught and explained them more about who this Jesus was. More about who he was in terms of being the Lamb of God. Now, I want you, if you have a Bible, if you have a pen, mark the number of times that in this whole section from 35 to 51, the idea that they followed or they went. Jesus, they, when he said, when John says, behold, the Lamb of God, you have that verse, uh, that next verse in 36. They followed Jesus. After they followed Jesus, Jesus tells them, you don't want to know where I'm going. Basically, he tells them, follow me. He said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And they said to him, come, and you will see. If you really want to know more about Jesus, then you and I need to be where he's at. And in one place we definitely should hope and know that he's going to be at will be at the house of God. For us to bypass the very place where we know Jesus is, in terms of teaching and in terms of instruction, Many of us are bypassing our blessing by not making ourselves available to that. So he says, come and see. You want to know where I am? You want to know where I'm staying? Come see. Now, as, they, as they're there with Jesus, they came and saw where we were staying. Notice what happens in the next few verses. He says, where are you staying? He said, they stayed with him that day to the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew. So we told two disciples, so we know one is definitely Andrew because verse 40 says it was Andrew. Now somebody says, well, who's, another, who's the other disciple that followed Jesus? I'm glad you asked that question. The other disciple, who is not specifically named, but many agree and believe on that it was actually John who's writing the book. So it was Andrew and John were the first two that came and followed after Jesus. This is the beginning of the church, Andrew and John. When Jesus says, come and see, those are really the first words that Jesus has spoken because everything else said about him was said about him by John the Baptist. And now Jesus simply says, come and see. And two, Andrew and John, are following after Jesus. Now notice what else. Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. So we know that relationship-wise, and you know who Peter was, the first one that preached on the day of Pentecost, the one that was kind of the outspoken one, the one that was the lead of all the, the, the disciples. Peter was the one that took the forefront, not that he was so important, but everything, everybody followed where Peter went. He was the one that spoke, and, and every time he spoke, the others simply followed. But he, he's, he's, we're told here that Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. Now, after Andrew followed Jesus, notice what it says in 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ, the promised one, the anointed one. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas is the Aramaic uh, name for Peter. Okay, so if you see Cephas, if you read another passage of scripture and it says Paul and John and Cephas, it's really talking about Peter. Now, I think it's ironic. Andrew comes to Jesus 
And who's the first person that he tells about his encounter with Jesus? His own brother. How many of us have taken the time when we came to Christ, when we came to know him for ourselves, did we go back and tell those who we love, basically, come see a man? Or do we keep it to ourselves? I think of the song that says, I'm trying to think how it begins. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I could not what? Keep it to myself. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Oh, I couldn't keep it to myself. Oh, I couldn't keep it to myself. I said I was going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. Oh, what the Lord has done for me. You ought to have been there. You, you know all that? How many of us are that excited about sharing what Christ has done for us. Rewind the clock. Go back to that date and time when you came and I came to Christ. And now look where we are today, however many years that might be. Do we have that sense of excitement that we had when we first came to Jesus? And hopefully, we had a sense of excitement. I mean, I could go back the, the, the moment when I got saved. I can remember the time. I can, I can almost tell you what I had on. I could see the, 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 the pew, stepping out, coming down. All that is in my mind's eye. And everything from that point onward has been new and exciting. Oh, I had peaks and valleys. But one thing I can say, I am glad that God called me from darkness to the marvelous light. And I know for myself that I'm saved. I've been bought with a price that's not my own. I belong to Jesus. So here's Andrew following Jesus. And after Jesus talks to him, he could not help but go back and tell his brother the good news. Share with him what he had found. He first finds his brother. We have, talk about Andrew and John, we have found the Messiah. The anointed one, the promised one. He brings him to Jesus, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, or Peter, Petros, rock. Now, contrary to what our Catholic friends would say, Peter is not the rock on which the church is built. Peter is just a stone, a pebble. He's not the rock because the rock, there's only one. The church is built on Jesus Christ. Because Peter got to preach the first sermon, it does not give Peter headship, lordship, or any other special place. He's just a brother that was used by God to preach the first word, to deliver, and 5,000 souls were saved. That's it. Everything, anything else about Peter, there's no specialty about Peter or any of the apostles or disciples. They were men of God, just like we are men and women, and they were full of frailties and everything else. He was just used by God. And the word is small, Petros, not big. He was just like a, a stone, a pebble. His name will be called Peter. The next day, now here's another day. Mark in this whole 
scenario from back from 35 to 43, even back to verse 29, the next day, the next day, the next day. The next day, Jesus decides he's going to take a trip to, the, to Galilee. And he found Philip and said, follow me. There's Andrew, there's John, and now we have Philip. Jesus goes to Galilee, he sees Philip, and all he says to Philip, Philip is, come follow me. Did Jesus say that to you? Come follow me, like Brother Jim said. Wherever, whatever Philip was doing, whatever his occupation was, many of, most of the, the uh, apostles or, or disciples or followers of Christ were fishermen by trade. All Jesus said was, come follow me, which meant he had to leave everything that he knew, drop what he was doing, and come follow Christ. Are you and I willing to drop whatever we, wherever we live, whatever our job is, whatever? If Jesus just simply came to you today and said, come follow me, what would our excuses be for not following him? Well, wait a minute, Lord, I really want to follow you, but... You understand, I'm in school right now, and I'm taking these classes, and da, 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 and I'm trying to, da, da, da. no, that's not what he's asking. He just said, come, follow me. Well, Lord, you know what? I would like to follow you, but then you have the scenario that Jesus talked about when he was calling many of the disciples, of many people who were following him, and they came with excuses. Well, one said, I'm getting married. I need time to take care of my family situation. Another said, my, my, father, my, my father has died. I need to go take care of his burial expenses and make sure all that's taken care of. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Just come follow me. It wasn't that what the other things were not good. The main point of the whole, the whole parable was we need to be willing to do whatever Jesus says do. And that's all he told Philip. Come follow me. Follow me. Philip was from Pisidia the city of Andrew and Peter. So these guys grew up geographically. They knew one another. Philip and Nathaniel said, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. We found the one that was talked about in Moses and the law, the one that the Moses and the law talked about. We found him. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found that person. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, Nazareth, the city of Nazareth was a small town. Every time I read that expression, because what happens after he tells me he's Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Nathaniel says, Philip found Nathaniel said, we have found Moses. Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, according to people, because it was a small town and not a lot going on, their answer would be like us, no. Is there anything good about Wilmington? See, you're like, <laughs> what's that mean? And that's how they feel about Nazareth. Can anything of value or worth come out of that city? Well, we know the answer to it is what? Yes. Who came out of there? Jesus himself. Can anything come good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him. And said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, using his omniscience, his all-knowing, all-seeing eye, sees Nathaniel coming before Nathaniel 
sees him. And what does he say about Nathaniel? He says, behold, look, see, this is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. This is a good man, not a perfect man, but a good man. He follows the law of the prophets. He knows the Bible. He knows the, the Bible of that day. He understood what was required of him. He knew all of them. Here's a man. There is no deceit in him. There's no, no falseness in him. He is who he is. Nathaniel asks the question. I guess you would ask the question. A guy, a person he had not met before, who knows him, who saw him as he was coming, asked the question, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Before Philip even got to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Meditating. Probably. Praying. As many times as they were doing, because they didn't have central air conditioning, he would spend time meditating and praying under the coolness or the shade of a fig tree. And Jesus said, I saw you before your brother even went and talked to you. In case you and I don't know, Jesus saw and sees us or saw us before you and I ever decided or ever made the, the decision with the help of the Holy Spirit to come and ask the Lord into our life. He knew the date and the time that you were going to say yes to him. In the month of December, he knew that I was going to come down the aisle and say, Lord, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I confess my sin. I admit I'm a sinner and I need you. And if he did that for me, he also hopefully has done that for everybody that says they are a Christian, that the Lord saved you. He saw you before you even saw him. For the Bible even says, for even when we were enemies of God, God calls us. God saved us. Predestined, foreordained by the mind of God. Our salvation is not built on us. Our salvation is built on what Christ has done for us. Because we don't have within ourselves the ability even make the choice to come to Jesus. Oh, some of that is, some of us is involved in that, but the ability to say yes to Jesus is all already wrapped up and based upon the Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin and giving us the sense to know that we need Jesus. Because on our own, we have no use for God. That's why the world is a, a totally opposite of what God wants, because they don't see the necessity of having God in their life. God? I don't need God. Basically, the world, most people, I am my what? My own God. I don't need you, preacher. I don't need you, church member, to tell me that I need God. Well, that, that's fine. You, you, you can say you don't need God, but guess what? You can't do anything without God. You didn't wake up this morning without God. You didn't make it from last Lord's Day to this Lord's Day without God. Your breath that you're breathing right now as I'm talking to you is all from God. So who are you to say you don't need God? And if you make it through the rest of this day, the Lord allows you to wake up tomorrow, it's all because of God. If he watches you from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back to next Lord's Day, he's watched over you for the past 35, 51, 48, 16, 13, 12, 20, whatever you are. He's watched over you all those days of your life because he's God. Because the Bible says nobody knows the day or the hour. 
that we may be called home. You can see me here today, standing in the pulpit, preaching the word, and by 2 o'clock this afternoon, I could be gone. And you would say, what? I'll never forget when Brother Harding died. We had just had choir rehearsal. Great choir rehearsal. We, we had a good time. We were laughing and joking and singing and praising and singing and everything was great. And then I get a call. Brother Harding's dead. What? We just saw him. How could it be? But God knows. God knew. He said, by the way, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, Nathaniel would probably be like us. Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, here's Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, teacher, oh my goodness, you are the son of God. All because Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel says, oh, I know you're the son of, you're the son of God. How many times has that happened with us? Something that we think is a great, miraculous thing happens, and we go, I know God was in it. Maybe he was, and maybe he wasn't. He says, oh, I know you are the son of, I know who you are. You're the son of God, because if you saw me under the fig tree, and that's not only are you the son of God, but you are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him. Let me understand this, Nathaniel. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? That's why you believe? Just because I said I saw you under the fig tree? That is all it took for you to believe? Really? Wow. You will see greater things than these. This is, this is Jesus talking. Jesus says you'll see greater things than these. This is nothing. The fact that I saw you sit on the feet, that is nothing but what you're going to see in, in, if, as you're following me. Because I'm going to do greater works than these. The fact that I can restore sight to a blind person, that's way, that's, that's way better than me seeing you under a fig tree. The fact that a lame man is going to come and I'm going to raise him up off of his pallet and allow him to see, that is a greater miracle than just seeing you under a fig tree. Really? Wow. That's all it takes? I saw you on the fig tree? Oh, you're going to see greater things than these. And then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Going back to what happened in Genesis chapter 28 with Jacob's ladder. And they were running up and down the ladder, the angels of God, and doing, bringing down the messages and doing things. Go to Genesis 28, you'll read that account. Jesus says, it's going to be way greater. This is greater than what happened with Jacob. Why? Because I am God in the flesh. I am the son of man. I am God himself. And I'm going to allow you all, Andrew, Nathaniel, Philip, John, and Andrew, to see your whole life. This is just, a bit, this is just the beginning of the grouping of all the disciples of Jesus. What does that have to do with us? Well, we ought to, number one, be seeking souls. We ought to be seeking after Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, your soul ought to be wanting to know more about him. 
That's what they did. They heard, behold, the Lamb of God, and they saw what, heard what John said, and then they, within their mind, said, if this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, I need to follow him. Some of us in here need to make that decision for ourselves. We need to follow him, follow Jesus. Not be on the outside looking in, but be on the inside actually participating with what it means to follow. Seek, pursue, chase after. Is that who we are? Are we content to be secret disciples? Nobody knows I'm a Christian. It's just between me and God. There is no such thing as that our salvation, our faith is just between just us and God alone. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. It's also a public declaration. When you make a profession of faith, we weigh what you say based on your public profession of faith. You can't come to Christ. You can come to Christ on your own, but you have to make a public profession. So we have a seeking, we need to be seeking souls. And then it's good to know we have a seeking Savior. That when he saw Nathaniel, Nathaniel didn't see him, he saw Nathaniel. After he heard the word that was shared with him, yes. But Jesus wanted Nathaniel. He wanted Philip. He said, Come follow me. That's all he said. When he went to the city, he went there the next day to Galilee. He saw Philip. He found, he found, Jesus found. Philip, and said to him, come follow me. Is that what Jesus did for you? He found you. You did not necessarily find him, but he found you. And he said to you, come follow me. So we have a seeking Savior. It's good to know that many times in our life, when we don't think about God, God thinks about us. How many of us have, in our mind, can honestly say, we at times have turned our back on God and on the things of God. Why? In light of God's goodness, in light of God's grace, we can tell God, I'm taking a timeout. 30 second timeout. 30 days, 30 years, whatever. That's what they do in the NBA when they want timeout. They, you know, one timeout in football, they go, you know, full timeout, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. It's a bad thing to take a timeout on God when God doesn't take a timeout on us. Aren't you glad God doesn't take timeout on us? I mean, could you imagine if God just decided right now, you know, for the next two minutes, I'm taking a time out at Cornerstone Baptist Church. I'm not going to have my presence, my, 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 my presence, my being, my being with them, my ability to bless them, to breathe. I'm just going to take a, for two minutes, I'm going to take a time out. We'd all be dead. We would be, unless you can, you say, well, I can hold my breath for two minutes. Okay. Not cheating, but if God would base what he did for us like we base what we do, to him, we'd be in bad shape. We would be. Because here's what we do. We look at circumstances. We look at events. We look at things that happen. And we say within our mind, you know what? I know, blah, 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 but I'm, I elect not to. God knows all about us. He knows our 
weaknesses. He knows, our, he knows the things that we have done in secret that nobody knows but you and God. And God is so good that he still blesses us and keeps us. We have a seeking soul and we have a seeking Savior. Amen. The simple pattern for men and women to be converting, converted or to come to Christ is really simple. Exalt Christ. When you're in the community, when you're within your friends, within your job, within your home, in your neighborhood, as you're shopping, wherever we are, we are to live and exalt Christ. 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 On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Exalt him. The question the world could ask of us is, sirs, people, men and women, boys and girls, brothers and sisters, the world is asking us a question. We want to see Jesus. Where are they going to see Jesus? They're going to see Jesus come. They're not going to see Jesus by just looking at the Bible. We now are Jesus' hands feet, mouthpiece. If a dying world is going to know about Jesus, it will know about Jesus because of us. They will know we are Christians by <laughs> our love. Question we need to ask ourselves. How's our, lo how's our love? Exalt Christ. Not the sacraments, not about coming for the Lord's Supper or being baptized. That's a necessity, that's good, but that's not it. It's not about necessarily doing ministry, although that's a good thing. It's all about exalting Christ and pointing them to Jesus. Because you've heard me say this many times, and I'll say it again as I close. If you're right with the Lord, if your birth is correct, then all the other things about taking the Lord's Supper, being baptized, having the right fuel, as we learned today in Sunday school class, having the right fuel to live a consistent Christian life, all that stuff comes when you're born right. Maybe the question we need to ask the church, and not just this church, but church universal is, maybe some of the births that we're having are misbirths, half-births. But anything that God does, God does 100%. You cannot say you love Jesus, John says, whom we have not seen, and yet not be right. We can't do that, not being right with one another. You just can't do it. We can't say we love the Lord and not bypass coming to Sunday school, morning worship, Wednesday nights. And we're not growing. We're stunned. Then you would think something's wrong with your child if you had a child and they stayed at six months or, or two weeks old. You would run to the doctor and say, what's wrong? And he would ask you, is he eating? Is he drinking right? How many of you got plants in your house? I got two plants in my office. When I don't water them and they don't get sunlight, the leaves get brown. They start drooping. Stuff is falling over my floor. And I go, ooh, I forgot to water these things. So I go and get the water and get the little thing, the little poor thing, and 
board on the dry parched soil and opened up my blinds on my windows. And in a couple of days, it's a miracle. The green of the leaves sprang back. What once was almost dead, now has come to life. Question for us, how many of us are like those plants? That we need the water of the word and the sunlight from the S-O-N of God to shine on us, to bring us back to where we were when we first started this journey. This year's never if trouble will come. We're always going to have trouble. The whole question is, how do we handle the trouble when it comes? The joy that we have, the world didn't give it. And the world should not take it away. Amen? These men dropped all to follow Jesus. Question, what are you and I willing to drop to follow Jesus? Father, we thank you for your word. Bless us now. Help us to take the written word. We look at these men's lives and we see that as you just spoke, you spoke to Philip and he followed you. Didn't ask where he was going, how much he was going to get paid, but where he's going to live. All you said was, come, follow me. Give us that type of faith that goes beyond what we can see with our naked eye. But give us a spiritual eye that we can see by faith. All things are possible, and there's nothing too hard for you. Father, I pray for your people. I pray that we would be excited about the things of God. Have great joy, not because of, of, of our sometimes negative circumstance, but we will have joy because we realize our joy comes from you. And we're not going to allow anyone or anything or event in our life or circumstances in our life or what's going good or going bad in our life that negate from us having your joy. Because true joy comes from the Lord. Build us up on each and every leaning side and help us to be able to rejoice in the God of our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.